Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, I'm George Cup. And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gur. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political officer, George Cup. Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So we will be discussing this evening, should taxes be raised on the highest earners? What is the best superhero movie of all time? And lastly, do you have a pet? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the sun break between each topic but first last week we asked for you guys to send in your opinions on the question do you think the government's recovery plan 
is enough to boost the economy. And as always, we've had some really, really good opinions come in. Uh, just before I get to the first opinion, I just thought I'd do a little bit of a summary of what that recovery plan is. Um, so on the 8th of July, uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced a wave of spending pledges under a plan for jobs platform. Uh, the spending package includes a VAT cut on the hospitality industry, a £1,000 bonus for businesses for every staff member kept on for three months after the furlough scheme ends in October. Uh, and then there's also a meals discount scheme for those eating out on Mondays to Wednesday. Uh, so let's see what you guys made of this package of measures. So the first opinion we had in was from Marcus. Marcus says, I think the government's measures could boost the economy, but it really depends on how much the public want to go out and take advantage of the measures. A lot of the plans are schemes which encourage normal people like you and I to go out, go to restaurants like they eat out to help out buy scheme, uh, buy things such as with the VAT reduction and more. If that really does encourage loads of people to go out and spend again, then that will boost the economy and the government will make back the money on those schemes quite quickly. But I think a lot of people are still quite nervous about spending. And I don't know if a half price lunch is going to be the thing that makes them stop worrying about catching, uh, potentially catching a deadly virus if they go out. So it really depends on how people use the schemes. Um, George, do you agree with Marcus' opinion, sir? Yeah, I, I think that it's um, definitely a refreshing approach the government has had in terms of trying to get the economy back up and running and, and boosting it back to somewhere close to where it was. Um, the government had two ways to go about it. Either they could go back to austerity and cut everything, or they could play a little bit dangerously on the edge um, and put more money into the economy to try and encourage spending, uh, much kind of like what we saw under Tony Blair's scheme. But I, I think Marcus raises a very good point. It is all well and good putting all these discounts and cuts in place in, in terms of spending and stuff. So it's cheaper for people to live their, their lives and, and for companies to get bonuses by keeping the staff on. But the biggest thing I think that that's kind of um, discouraging our economy grow to grow is people's fear of the coronavirus. And I, I think we've seen recently with the um, introduction of wearing face masks in stores, that's the government trying to put more confidence into people going into shops and going out um, and enjoying the, the normal life that we kind of had. Um, and I think that is the biggest thing around this economy boost and, and this scheme that the government's bringing in is it's, it's all very well and good having those things in place but it, i think it's the confidence of the people that we've really got to encourage what do you think callum yeah I, I i really agree with you george in what you're saying that um that there is a great fear i think from people about um getting the the coronavirus and and the kind of impact of that um and kind of in a sense no amount of um discounts and different schemes are, are going to overcome that very simple and basic facts um i think if we look kind of retrospectively over how the government handled the coronavirus i think there's probably in a sense questions to be asked about how much they they maybe have um un un unintentionally uh kind of fueled the fire in terms of public fear that and and that's not to say that there shouldn't be this public fear um but now we're we're talking about as as you say george we're talking about now 
um, or, or the government had made it so that you have to wear a face mask going into shops from the uh, 24th, I think. Um, and um, early on, we were told that, that, that that kind of measure would make no difference. Now, for me, I think if we're looking at this kind of with maybe the benefit of hindsight, although I think, to be honest, at the time when we were talking about um, uh, lifting restrictions on going to these non-priority shops, I think that's when it should have been that you have to wear a face mask. Now, I'm not sure if the public fears are already ingrained there, and now it just feels a bit strange that, that we're suddenly being told to wear a face mask. Well, was we putting ourselves at risk before, or is it that face masks don't really do anything? I, you know, I, I, I think that kind of fear has got there. Um, and, and so no matter what these measures are, in a sense, the government's already made those those kind of mistakes there. Yeah, right. So our next opinion from Laura, and she says, I think these schemes could help, but I don't think it's a good idea for the government to be trying to boost the economy in such a big way at this stage. I just think it's too early for us to be actively encouraging people to go out and spend money like this on such a mass level, when there could be still they, when there could still be a second spike, and global infections are now rising again in a very significant way. This could result in not just a bigger spike, but also more significant economic issues if people have spent loads of money and then more redundancies need to happen anyway and people lose their income if anything i think there are too many schemes the government should have focused on things that allow businesses to stay temporary closed without going bankrupt rather than potentially putting people's lives at risk by making people want to leave their homes well callum do you think the government have gone too far and they should have maybe taken it a step back like laura is saying um I think it very much depends upon what the the priority is. If we're talking purely on the basis of saving lives, which arguably should be the most important measure, then possibly they should have been talking about thinking about ways that businesses can um, not open uh, again or, or at least temporarily and, and kind of keeping businesses afloat without the map actually opening their doors and things like that. Um, but obviously, I think the government's well aware of the fact that in the long term, that's going to cause a lot of problems. But also in the in the short term, I mean, we, we, we can't go on with an economy gr grinding to a halt. Um, so whilst I it, on one level do agree with you, Laura, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure that it's the case that the government's done too much if that makes sense. Uh, what, what do you think, um, George? I think that it's um, definitely important that the government has tried to ensure that our economy is is, is getting a kickstart again. Um, I mean, absolutely. I, I totally respect Laura's opinion in terms that we should still be saving lives. And absolutely, I think the, there are measures in place to ensure that. You know, there are, is guidance in place to ensure that we are still not... Um, having full-on contacts and things like that but at the same time we we simply could not go on um having the schemes that were in place to help businesses over being closed and everything it couldn't keep going because otherwise this country would or i think would have gone into bankruptcy and that wouldn't have helped anyone um because our economy would have crashed and i think we would have been in a very 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 badly position um whatsoever and, and, I, and I also think that um I would, wouldn't even want to think if this coronavirus came about after the financial crash that we saw, um, it would have been, I think, disastrous. Um, so I think we were quite lucky in where our economy was um, so that 
we could kind of actually give out the handouts that we did for companies and employees um, and employers as well to ensure that we could get through this time. But no, I think that it is right that the government is bringing in schemes to ensure that um, people can get out and about and to make sure that our economy can start climbing the ladder um, to a more successful and, and up, up and coming economy. Right then, now moving on to our next opinion. It's from Tom. Tom says they will help to boost the economy, but in a lot of ways, I think this is too little too late. A lot of businesses needed really significant help and support from the government three months ago. Doing this in July and August is far too late for a lot of people. So many people have lost their jobs. Businesses have had to permanently shut down. Two music venues in Manchester had to permanently close this week because the government has been too slow to provide support to the entertainment industry. It's great that they're doing it now, but they could have prevented so much damage if they had put more schemes in earlier to stop businesses from needing to shut down in the long term. I mean, George, I mean, Tom does have a point in that the arts and entertainment venues, in a sense, they're the kind of sick cousin of, of all of this because in many ways, they, they were one of the last um, kind of areas to, to get any kind of scheme. I mean, what do you make of Tom's opinion there? Well, firstly, I think the government actually did a reasonable job of ensuring that businesses had the support they needed to have. Um, and I actually think that we would have seen a lot more job losses if the government hadn't done what they did do in ensuring we had the furlough scheme and also um, helping the self-employed and, and other businesses in, in all different kinds of ways. Um, and I think that they did a very good I think Rishi did a very good job in, in ensuring that. But um, I do totally agree with Tom in terms of the entertainment uh, area and, and the sector because there wasn't enough support. And, and it's a shame that it's only just come about that um, these the arts and everything have just got the support um, from the government. It, I don't know why it took so long to come about. Um, it should have been there earlier because obviously the, the, the arts sector and the music sector couldn't survive without people going there and obviously mass gatherings in in theaters and cinemas and and, and music venues are one of the, the biggest areas of uh, of people going so i obviously those theaters and everything wouldn't have been able to get the business going so i don't know why the government didn't help them first off um it, it, it is a worry to me but as tom has said there is the help coming in there now um so hopefully there will be some prevention of damage going on. Um, and also, as we have seen, if the trials go ahead and successfully from the 1st of August, then we will, these uh, businesses will start to be able to open up to like theatres and, and music venues and things like that. So fingers crossed for them. But what quickly, what are your thoughts, Callum? Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you, George, in that I think the government's already done a hell of a lot to try and stop, um, stop businesses from shutting and stop... Um, people from losing their jobs i think unfortunately what has happened is is unprecedented and as much as it's really tough to say and i mean i personally know people that have lost jobs but people are going to lose their jobs as a result of this and there, there's to a certain extent nothing the government could do whilst ensuring that we're on an economic good footing but i do also agree that you know for the arts industry they they have been left behind a lot um, and action should have come sooner. And I, I, I'm also at a loss, as you are, George, as to, to maybe why it didn't come sooner. Um, right then, remember we'll be announcing what a question would be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. 
We've reached time for our first song break of this evening, so we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Uh, so before, uh, rather, sorry, uh, moving on to our next discussion of this evening. And uh, George, do you want to uh, take over for me? Yeah, I thought I thought you were just going to take over for me there. I was, I was going to sit back and relax, Callum. <laughs> um, but as Callum said, let's move on to our second discussion. And we're asking, should taxes be raised on the highest earners? So a letter published in late June on the website medium.com called for a moderate wealth tax on the fortunes of the richest one-tenth, sorry, fortunes of the richest one-tenth of the richest one percent uh, of Americans. Uh, on us, as it were, and the, the us includes self-made billionaires like uh, financier George Soroso uh, and Chris Hughes, a Facebook co-founder. Um, and if we look at the taxing system in the UK, in total, the whole of the UK paid £174 billion in pounds in income tax uh, in the 2016 to 2017 year but of that 52.5 billion pounds nearly a third of all taxes raised was paid by 381,000 taxpayers who earned more than 150,000 pounds a year the tax paid by those 381,000 individuals was more than all the income tax paid by the first 20 million taxpayers so Callum would it be right to say that we should be taxing those high earners even more? I feel like you've skewed that uh, introduction in a certain way, George. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the benefit of writing the introduction, Callum. It is, yes, it is. Um, see, I'm actually... I think that we we probably need to have a little bit more nuance in terms of in this discussion because i i kind of agree in what you were implying in your introduction george that we we shouldn't necessarily be raising taxes on all of those people who are earning over a hundred over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year be because at the end of the day okay one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year is a lot but if you compare that to someone who's earning, you know, 500,000 a year or a million a year or something like that, I, th I think we should be having t different tax brackets for those. Uh, and so I'm going to say, yes, we should be raising taxes on the highest earners, but only on those truly in the highest earners. And I, and I guess that with this letter, obviously, that, that's what they're talking about, too. Um, but but I think it's it's key to make clear that I'm not saying that for that we'd necessarily just raise the tax bracket for those um, who are earning more than £150,000 a year, as is currently the highest rate of tax and who it um, applies to. Um, George, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I uh, as Callum has rightly said, I, of course, did um, venture that introduction in a, in a certain way and push it in a certain direction because, because I wanted to try and make a point about how we define as what a highest earner is. Um, obviously, being a conservative, you would, you would probably think that I wouldn't want to suggest those that are high earning. And, and I would 
you'd be right in thinking that. Although I, I strongly agree with Callum in actual fact that to say that those that are on 500,000 plus, there should definitely be different um, taxations on those individuals because, of course, um, having such an income, we should definitely be taxing them, taxing them more. Um, but... I don't think we should be taxing those that are on £150,000 more. Um, because, yes, I know £150,000 is a lot of money, but if you live in London or somewhere like that, I actually don't think it goes that far, especially if you are getting taxed um, the, the amounts that are currently you are being taxed on under the current scheme. Um, and, and I also think that it's really important that we don't just go down this line of, of trying to help the economy by taxing those that are, are high earners around the £150,000 because I think that we need to ensure that we have incentives in life and, and a lot of people have an incentive to earn lots of money and, and I think that if we go around just saying if you get to a certain amount like £150,000 then you won't be able to have all of that income and, and a lot of it will go away and I mean it's not even that big a job. I mean lawyers, uh, physicians, um, pharmacy managers, doctors, surgeons, they all earn around that amount. I mean, even some head teachers earn that amount. So there, there are quite normal everyday jobs that, yes, you do have to have a degree for, but they are achievable jobs for a lot of people. And I think if we start saying we're going to tax those people heavily, I think that a lot of the incentive will go away. And let's not forget that those that the more we have uh, of this in this country of people high earning that amount of money the better it is for tax income and the better it is for us being able to support the poor i mean i being a conservative i absolutely believe in the definition of if you can we shall support you so i mean that the higher earners should be being able to support the, those that are less fortunate than themselves so Currently, if I was look at, to look at this this um, question and and say and class one hundred fifty thousand pound salary as a high earner, I would say that no, they should not be raised. But if it was above that, then yes, I would say that. So I think maybe um, I'm gonna, I'm just going to going to bat for the no side today. Um, but Callum, what do you can you see some benefit in, in what I am arguing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can I can see what um certainly what you're what you're saying there, George. I mean, one question I have for you is that I've often felt that with with income tax, um, it it kind of misses the point. Income tax because mm. surely um when when we're talking about who should be paying the most tax, it should be those that already have the most wealth the most um assets were that are numerically worth the most um so so i think income tax kind of misses the point because it says that anyone who earns over one hundred fifty thousand pounds a year will have a 45 percent um income ta tax rate shouldn't it really be that if someone's you know suddenly gone from i don't know on, only earn um, 20,000 a year to then suddenly in a couple of years, they're now earning 150,000 a year. And, you know, they're from a working class background, possibly they um, have only just got their first house or something. Surely they should be paying less tax than someone else who earns, yes, the same amount as them, but 
um, maybe comes from a really wealthy family already has two properties and and things like this. I mean, George, do, do you agree with that? Do you think that the assets and wealth should, in an ideal world at least, come into it rather than just simply what your income is? No, I, I absolutely um, agree with what you're saying, Callum. I think it's that we have to, um, and I don't know how it is possible, but there's yeah. got to be a way of of looking at how we are taxing people because you're so right in saying how is it right that we tax someone that's earning £150,000 and have worked so hard to get to that position and earning that amount when and we're taxing the same amount on someone that just walked into a, a, a role or just inherited that amount of money coming in every year or something like that. How is that fair that yeah. we are doing that? Because I, I again... Sorry to keep going back to it, but as a conservative, I believe in encouraging people to make progression, encouraging people to have successes. And and how can we, as a conservative government, how can there be an argument there to say that we are pushing people to success when we are taxing them for getting to that success? Mm. And and I've got a question again for you, George, of um, say that you began to earn over £150,000 a year. Thank you very much. Well, presuming you don't already, George. <laughs> um, would you, do you think, look for some kind of tax loophole? Because obviously that's what a lot of people at least try to do to try and get out of paying the top band of tax. Yeah, I, I, I would like to think I'm an honest man. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I would hope that I would never even think of doing that. I mean, I have heard of people... Uh, only getting paid 149,999 just to get out of that bracket um, or even just a little bit less. So they don't yeah. go into that bracket because it, because technically you would earn more because you're not earning that over that threshold of 150,000 pounds. Um, and there are a couple of businesses that do that as well. But um, no, I, I would like to think that I, I wouldn't want to go down that, that avenue. Um, and, and I, and this is the other thing as well, is that if we are encouraging and taxing those, higher earners as well then absolutely it encourages people not to keep their money in this country and to look for loopholes and to to try and invest it in in offshore funds and, and things like that and, and that is something that we do not want to happen we want rich people to be in this country spending their money in our economy um and taxing that money as well so um i don't think i would but callum i mean i i, I as much as i believe you're an honest man is it something that you would look to do <laughs> No, I don't think so. I don't doubt I'll ever be earning £150,000 a year, so I probably won't ever have to uh, face that kind <laughs> of uh, moral dilemma. But um, I, I very much doubt uh, I I would. I, I mean, obviously, what you just raised, George, in terms of the... Um, if you if a country raises it, its tax rates, then, then it obviously encourages their highest earners to go and base themselves somewhere else that's got a lower tax rate. Do mm. you think... On that basis, in a sense, we should be aiming for for a kind of harmonised world, or or maybe kind of geographical, you know, continent-wide um, income tax rate to to try and stop those kind of things from happening. And also, I suppose, in terms of corporation tax and and business tax. I think that absolutely in an idealist world, of course, that would be a goal to have. But in a competitive and a free market world, I don't believe that would ever, ever happen. I think, unfortunately, yeah. going down those those that kind of 
line, um, you're kind of looking at a more, I, I don't know whether it's right to argue a more kind of socialist point of view where you're just having a one level for everyone. Um, I mean, possibly you could look at it as something for countries that have a very similar GDP. Um, that might work, but I think it would be unfair to have similar tax brackets for across the whole country right now, because obviously a lot of countries are a lot more better off than others. Um, and it would, I just think it would never work. Um, and how do you think this poll is going to go, Callum? I think most people will say yes, uh, taxes should be raised on high earners. So I'll say that uh, 70% of people will say yes. What about you? I'm going to say that it's going to be more around 52, 54% of people say yes. I think it's going to be quite close. Um, but as always, there is only one way to find out, and that's for you guys to vote on this question. Should taxes be raised on the highest earners? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that, we asked, should taxes be raised on the highest earners? And you guys have been voting away. So 72% of you said yes and 28% of you said no. So um, let's just move on from that, Callum. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I win. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, moving on to our third discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, what is the best superhero movie of all time? So long considered a children's or maybe nerdy movie genre, superhero <laughs> movies have exploded in popularity over recent years. They have become so popular and it has become so cool uh, to enjoy superhero movies now that the highest grossing film ever is 2019's Avengers Endgame, which smashed over 2.7 billion US dollars at the box office. But what is the best of them all? George, what do you think is the best superhero movie of all time? Could it be The Dark Knight, Avengers Endgame, Joker, Avengers Infinity War, The Dark Knight Rises, or that infamous one, Other? <laughs> Uh, and I should say that all of those named options are based on the highest in the IMDb rankings of superhero movies. So, George, what do you think? Well, I think, firstly, um, it would only be fair of me to hold up my hand and say that I am not um, the biggest kind of uh, fan of superhero movies. I will absolutely go and watch them, but I'm not someone that, you know, um, idolizes about them and has daydreams and things like that about them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that um, how far some of these films have come is, is amazing. And, and absolutely, I think they are um, worthy of having the, the the achievements that they've had but from all of these i think for me the the one that stuck in my mind when i saw it is most definitely the dark knight rises um i i think that the the whole film was fantastic and, and i think that batman um the whole i can't who played batman in that film callum christian bale thank you very much um i think he played batman incredibly well um, and the the film was one of those films that, for me, I think when they're good films, when you don't have to love superheroes, you can love the film 
um, just for for the sake of loving films. And and I think Dark Knight Rises was definitely definitely one of those films that did it for me. Um, in second place was definitely um, the Joker. Sorry, Joker. I think Joker was such a well-written, well-played, well-performed film. Um, it brought to light some incredible acting skills. Um, and I think that, again, that was a film where you you didn't have to be in love with the character Joker or, or, or have any kind of history of, of loving um, Joker in any form of film or, or character you could just go along and simply watch that film and love it for the film that it is um so it definitely it is between those two what about you Callum what do you think yeah I mean I absolutely loved um Joker movie for sure um I think it's a fantastic film I, I mean I think the, the commentary that it kind of provides on society and the way in which it is very loose with comic book lore and with the Joker character in many ways means that it's it's kind of a stretch in many ways to call it a superhero movie. Um, I mean, w- would you agree with that, George? I mean, it's very much almost it could just be about a a regular serial killer to be to be quite honest with you. Do you, do you not agree? Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, if it had a completely different title, um, it would still have been, in my eyes, a very successful film. Do you, is that kind of something that you agree with there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. I, I, I think it certainly would have been as critically beloved. It probably it probably wouldn't have done as well in, in the box office. But but yeah, I mean, I think on its own, without the superhero element almost, it it or hero would be obviously a stretch to call the Joker a hero. But, <laughs> um, but without those elements, it, it would still be a really, really good film. So so for me, I think on, on, out of this list, you know, what's my favourite film out of them? It, it's Joker, I, I think. I've, I really like Dark Knight. And I was very interested, George. So did you mean The Dark Knight Rises when you said that's your, say, favourite superhero movie? Mm. Or did you mean The Dark Knight? Because it's quite strange for someone to say Dark Knight Rises. No, I mean Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Fair. Fair. Why why do you believe it's Interesting. wrong? Why why do you think it's no, wrong? I mean or... it's it's just it's just simply because Dark Knight was the one that was more critically loved. I mean, it's the one that has Joker in it. Um I mean, don't get me wrong, I very much liked Dark Knight Rises too. I was just um surprised because generally the one that's been more critically loved and even loved by audiences i think um it's probably been dark knight um moving on to some of the kind of other ones here i mean obviously we've got two avengers films here um i mean george have have you seen both of these avengers films i have seen both of them um i couldn't overly tell you what actually happens in them and and what's the (laughs) difference about them but yeah i i have seen them and, and i do enjoy them i mean my favorite is um iron man as as a superhero I, i'd like i'd like an iron out of all of those i mean have you seen them uh i have i've not seen uh infinity war i've seen endgame right and i've just i've just started um to watch I'm, i've been going through all of the the marvel cinematic universe movies and i've been trying to watch them all but i haven't got to infinity war yet hence why i haven't seen it 
but I jumped the gun and went and watched Endgame with you, didn't I? Um, you did indeed. What? But, um, sorry, no, you carry on. I was just going to say a question on that is that I often, as I, as you kind of said in the introduction, I, I often uh, see when when we watch that film. Obviously, there were certain characters that might and passed away not to give any spoilers um but they and obviously people got very emotional about that because they were very much uh wrapped up within the whole film and were very have a kind of like an emotional attachment and it, and it seems there are a lot of people that have that kind of emotional attachment to uh, the avengers and and do you feel as if that you've missed out on that opportunity and, and missed out on having that love of these films to to try and I don't know, go on that journey with, with the Avengers to to the point where we saw the last film and, and unfortunately we saw people not necessarily make it in some points. <laughs> I love that really tact, tactical trying to avoid the spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think I have missed out on something there. Yeah, and and it's it's something I'll never truly experience in the same way that other people do. I mean, I think, you know, Joker had an emotional impact upon me, but Endgame's never going to have, even when I rewatch it, having seen all of the other MCU films, it's never going to have that same emotional impact for me because I, I didn't watch them over, you know, the 10 or so years and the 20 odd films separated by mm. that time period that, that a lot of people watched them. Um, and, and so I, I won't ever kind of have that same emotional impact um and so i suppose in in many ways that's that's kind of um regretful i mean george i just wanted to tap onto something you said um earlier about that that they've made a lot of developments obviously kind of superhero films as a genre but mm. do, do you think that one of the reasons for their popularity and the sudden burst in their popularity really is the fact that there's been such developments in terms of technology. And now, you know, if you compare what the Hulk looks like in movies now compared to what he looks like in the 2008 first movie of, I think it was 2008, uh, movie of the MCU, they look so different. And you can see how much the technology's come on. Do you think that's one of the reasons why they've got popular? Yeah, I... I absolutely would be no doubt that that is one of the reasons because i think that films like um the superhero films is it's an opportunity for people to escape from reality to escape from their actual lives of, of what's going on and, and the fact that um due to technology they have become more realistic and, and actually like they could be in everyday life i think it's allowed people to believe the, the films more and actually feel as if they are part of that film more um and as such absolutely that's why they have come on these these developments and and do you think that's that's maybe what as well why they're so popular is that because people use these films as like an escape from their reality yeah i think i think that's definitely a massive case of it and and the fact that it feels like a realistic almost escape from their reality now because of the fact that before you know when you watch superhero movies sometimes it was just so obvious that this was a guy in a costume or something like that and yeah. now it's it's just not that i mean uh if in especially you know in infinity war and endgame uh, if you think about thanos for example i mean a, a really amazing really really almost not how realistic it looks but how 
almost like it does feel like it could be real. Yeah. Um, right. Um, what do you think is going to come out on top in this poll? I'm going to say oh, Avengers Endgame. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you. I mean, it's obviously the most recent one, and uh, you know, it's oh, it's just got such popularity. Hasn't it? Mm. Uh, right now, it's time for you guys to vote away on this poll. So that question is, what is the best superhero movie of all time? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And those options again are The Dark Knight, Avengers Endgame, Joker, Avengers Infinity War, The Dark Knight Rises, or other. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So, Port of Breakthrough asks, what is the best superhero movie of all time? And you guys have been voting away. So, 32% of you said Avengers Endgame. 21% of you said The Dark Knight. 20% of you Avengers Infinity War. 13% The Dark Knight Rises. 11% The Joker. Uh, and 3% for Other. Well, George, no real surprises. I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised by how low Joker is, given that it only recently came out. I mean, what do you make of that? I, I think maybe um, it, it's the fact that maybe Joker was more kind of focused at a more mature audience. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I mean, my biggest surprise, honestly, is Other. I thought Other might have been a bit more, uh, have more votes than, than 3%. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with you there. Um, right, let's move on to our fourth discussion this evening. And as always, I say the most important discussion. We're asking the question on everyone's lips. Do you have a pet? Um, it sounds like a really <laughs> awkward date when you've run out of questions. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have been, this is my answer when someone asked me uh, when I used to go on dates. I have been very fortunate in my life as I've had many different kinds of pets from snakes to geckos to dogs to frogs to ducks. It's fair to say I could have started a zoo, um, but I have always loved animals. Um and I think a lot of people do as well. So, Callum, although I know the answer to this, do you have a pet? I hope you didn't use to say that on day. That was very scripted, George, very much. Thank you, Callum. Uh, yes, I do. I do have a pet. Well, I mean, I suppose I don't technically own them, but I live in a house where we have pets. So <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to count that. Uh, so I've got three cats. Uh, we've we've always had cats, but I have also in the past i had an well, i had goldfish and a hamster and i also had an uh, well two african snails i think it was they were like massive horrible things really but um we, we did have them as well uh, i mean george i mean you've already answered the question in your introduction <laughs> i mean is is gecko your most bizarre pet you've had um I suppose so. Yeah, there were there were two uh, fat-tailed African geckos, um, and they were they were great. Um, although they both died, which wasn't the best thing, because um, they one of them refused to, to eat. It just didn't eat anything, um, so it went on like a hunger strike. But I yeah I know. But I I've I've 
as I said in the introduction, I have always, always loved animals. Um, and I have been fortunate enough to have a have parents that let me kind of have all kind of animals that I, I asked for. Um, I think if I was going to go for maintenance, the, the, the hardest ones to look after were my ducks um, because they were just they would just destroy everything. Um, and they were so noisy and um, they they also ran away. So, you know, it's something that I still have never got over. Um I, I still cry about it most evenings that, <laughs> that my ducks flew away. Um, but but also, it's I, if I'm honest, right now, I would argue technically I do not really have a pet because I've now moved out of my mum's house. Um, I, I obviously, we had a dog there that we, we rescued from the Dogs Trust um, and I didn't bring him with me. So so now I'm I'm possibly looking at getting a getting a cat um, or a dog, and um, I think probably you have to call it something like biscuit. <laughs> biscuit. Yeah. Well, if it was if it was because I live in number ten, I would, if I got a cat, I'd call it Larry. Right. Cause it's um, a number ten cat. Yep. And then um, if I got a dog, I'd call it biscuit. Is that the name of Boris Johnson's dog or something? No, Dylan is. The name of Boris Johnson's dog. Why are you not naming it Dylan then? I don't like. I don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, and other than um, getting a, a cat, I mean, what, what's your what's your dream pet? Would you say? Oh, dream pet is probably either to get. I can you class them as pets? I don't know. Either to get pigs or goats. Right. Because goats. I've always. Yeah, I've always, always wanted goats. But the thing with goats is you have to have a license and you have to have at least two. Um, and you have to have, obviously, a certain amount of space in, in your garden or whatever. So I've always had a dream of, of when I'm older um, of having a nice little plot of land in my garden where I can have some goats and some pigs um, along with my ducks and my very big aviary of birds as well. Fair enough. What, I mean, what, what about you? Well, I always, um, I always told my parents, they used to wind them up, said I wanted a snake when I was younger. And they said, oh, oh yeah. when you're 18, you can have a snake. Um, but I didn't want a snake. Snakes terrify me. Um, <laughs> so I suppose I'd love a hedgehog, but you're not allowed them, obviously. You Quite. are. Are you? I, I yeah. thought they were an endangered species or something. No, you're allowed. <laughs> you're not you're allowed. allowed or protected. No, you're allowed like a desert hedgehog or something, I believe they're called. I want one that I could have in my back garden, though. I don't want like one from another country or something. Not that I've got anything against <laughs> um, immigrant um, hedgehogs. <laughs> um, the other thing I wouldn't mind would be a horse, to be fair, because like the freedom you could have having a horse riding around. I always wanted to ride around on a horse, like around around my hometown when I was younger. So I think I... that would be quite cool as well. I will pay a lot of money to see you riding a horse. I think I'd be good. I'm, I'm, it might start to hurt after a while. My um, mm. bum might get a bit sore, but yes, it might. You know, we, that's just something that us seasoned horse veterans have to deal with. Yeah, of course. And and how do you think this poll's going to go, Kada? <laughs> I would I would think that probably about sixty five percent of people have a pet. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go for 70% of people have a pet. But there's only one way to find out, and that's for you guys to vote on this poll. Do you have a pet? And you can do that wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this.
Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, do you have a pet? Uh, and you guys have been voting away. So um, did you see, I was trying to delay time there because my the uh, result wasn't loading for me. Uh, yeah, there's my little skill there. Um, so 66% of you said, yes, you do have a pet. And 34% of you said, no, you don't. Well, kind of uh, middle of the ground for both of us there, Callum. I can't remember what I said. I thought I said 65%, but no, actually, you got no, me again because I can't right. remember. No, you said about 35%, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. That was a clear win for me there. Yeah, um, silly me. Silly you, of course. But it is now time of that show where Karen and I have to say goodbye. So thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Cup and Go. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode. As mentioned earlier for the first segment, of next week's show we'd like you to send in your opinions on the question have you ever had a supernatural experience spookier the better uh, you can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through twitter that's at wizardradio so remember that question is have you ever had a supernatural experience and we're really looking forward to hearing those next week but it's now time for george and i to say ciao for now so i've been callum Gurr. And I've been George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.